Hi everyone. So I think I'll just provide a bit of context, really, um, to kind of before the postgraduate support scheme, now as it's running in both the year 1415 um, to which Tony and Sally and Paul have spoken to, also the upcoming year 1516. And I will tiptoe lightly beyond that because Hefke is also subject to pre-election uh, restrictions. Um, so the, the postgraduate support scheme, as I'm sure a lot of you are actually quite well aware now, came from um, a, an internal decision by our board um, to take 25 pounds of our discretionary funding and put it towards some areas that were seeming to need further support. So in 2013, we had just started to gather evidence around postgraduate study, and a lot of that had to do with the fact that the undergraduate fees had risen, and the sector itself was worried about what the impact could be on postgraduate take-up if students were going to be coming out in 15, 16 with uh, higher levels of debt. Would they take master's degrees, and would they have an appetite to go on? So we started to identify the evidence that existed and found it woefully lacking. And so partially we had kind of a two-pronged approach. One was to start gathering as much evidence as possible around postgraduate education. Who took it? When? How old were they? Where? All these sorts of questions that we really had nothing to go on other than very broad data sets from HESA. And also, was there a need to, to examine our funding support? So we do fund postgraduate top courses along with undergraduate, but also we took this 25 pounds and we asked the sector to come up with solutions. We asked them to come up with projects that would um, invigorate progression to postgraduate top programs for students who are currently underrepresented within them. So therefore we asked institutions to look within their own data and tell us who those students are. Uh, understanding it could vary, not only across institutions, but obviously within subjects, um, and to come up with something that would, that would help that. So we found, um, usually Paul gives a very succinct uh, presentation on our roadshow around these, but effectively the programs represent three different strands of activity. So clearly all of them have a financial component where they're offering scholarships or bursaries at varying levels. There's also a strand that looks at mentoring and uh, information advice and guidance, that kind of pastoral support mechanism and then the third is around employer engagement and that's again a very broad topic that includes everything from industry mentoring to industry coming in to help develop uh, new curriculum to work placements which may be alongside or in place of dissertations and other coursework so there's there's quite a lot of variety in there um, And partly that portfolio on the whole goes towards supporting something that Tony said right in the beginning of his presentation, which is that finance is a key barrier, and but supplying a finance mechanism is not the only solution. So getting these students in the door by addressing that first barrier is absolutely key. But we know that many of them will need further support, they'll need guidance. Many of them, as the data that Sally and Paul, I think, have offered shows that They aren't coming from backgrounds where their, their parents have already attained these things and can give them the guidance to help them succeed as well. Um, and then increasingly, students themselves, especially if they're going to be paying so much for all of this education now, want to know where it's going to get them. You know, they want extra links to employers. They want that guidance into that, but they want the interaction. And the current policy environment um, And, and what government has been speaking more about is a, a high focus on skills and postgraduate level qualifications. So institutions are also vested in showing how those master's programs might link better into industry, might answer particular and contemporary challenges within different industries, and might kind of seam up the student pipeline 
um, and student life cycle a bit more seamlessly. So PSS, the pilot projects, are doing a lot of heavy lifting now. Um, 25 million is a lot of money on, on one hand, but it's actually quite a small public investment for such large findings. So what we've been doing concurrently while they've been working hard on the ground is taking out these findings that Paul's been very usefully sifting for us and feeding them up to discussions with biz both informally and formally. And much of that has driven then the next round of the PSS, which is this 15-16 year. Uh, it's a much wider program in some senses. So the 14-15 pilot projects, there are 20 funded projects which incorporate about 40 institutions. Institutions did have a lot of play to develop the programs that they would want to, to determine the levels, to determine what kind of components made up their projects. Um, the 15-16 year is much more constrained. Uh, there are 130 institutions providing awards this next year, so a lot more, but there are 10,000 pounds. Uh, again, they need to go to students that are underrepresented and institutions do have the flexibility to look within their data. That's one of the issues, kind of evidence gaps we're looking to plug, is that we do have sector level data around students' progression to postgraduate taught education, but we don't have a lot of the specifics yet. And we certainly don't know where there are those kind of notable underrepresentations across subjects and, and institutions, so we are relying on, and, on uh, universities to tell us that. Um, and uh, the 15-16 awards need to be matched funded as well on a one-to-one -one basis. So in the pilot projects, we asked institutions to find matched funding and suggested that we would prioritize those projects which provided it, which is a nice vague way of saying that it's not necessary, but we'd like it. Um, the 15-16 awards must be match funded one for one. That's one of the reasons why we've given institutions the flexibility to return awards to us. So we've said, well, we're going to give you this amount of awards. You tell us if you want all of those awards, some of those awards or none of those awards, because it comes with a heavy obligation to come up with the matched funding and in a very quick cycle as well. Needless to say, nearly all the institutions are moving forward very positively and grabbing this up because in many ways it answers sector cries already for increased support, and we're happy to see that. Um, I think that... Um, the postgraduate taught loan scheme has now been announced and you are also probably well aware the consultation is running. It's running until the 29th of May. Um, Biz has published the kind of bones of what such a loan scheme may look like, but interestingly, um, it, it says less than it asks, and I think this is the key. This is the key part of a consultation that absolutely I, I'm drilling home on a daily basis now to the sector. Biz has not published a document that's telling us exactly how these loans are going to run. They're suggesting the boundaries of these loans and they're asking the sector, should it be this amount or that amount? Should it go to this or to that? Would it be available for these people or not these people? And it's up to the sector now to answer that, to provide every evidence you could possibly come up with to provide support or argument against the different aspects. Um, it is not always terribly lively reading consultation documents, but I do think it's it's up to us, really. Now, HEFKE is in an interesting position. We will not be submitting a formal response to the consultation. Uh, we're not independent enough from BIS to do that, but we are constantly providing informal advice to them, um, and, and it is up to the institutions to do so. So that's my worrying cry for you all to get involved. I think the point that Paul made is quite interesting, and I think you all might have views about this. I think it's kind of a uh, it's a point certainly that I've been in debate about for a long time, and it's the point that Paul made about uh, higher education as a leveler. 
giant question mark. Um, I know it's quite contentious for some in our sector to suggest that students might get their first degree, get an undergraduate degree, and still carry with them some sort of um, disadvantage or some sort of you know, impediment from lower socioeconomic background or from some sort of disadvantaged background. There, because, because what have universities been doing then? What, what's the point of them? Um, it's, it's certainly something that we're debating heavily within HEFKE, and we are pushing forward on some work around learning gains, so starting to articulate exactly the skills that higher education and, and a university degree uh, transmits to students and enables, and what sort of capabilities that builds into students, and then from that place I think we'd have a better understanding of to what extent students might be able to you know, escape um, background the backgrounds that they bring um, and certainly we need to understand that more before we can argue for further support for postgraduate study as well but I think it's, it's quite an interesting point and it'd be interesting to hear more people's thoughts about that other than that that's really my two cents I won't say any more I'm sure you have lots of questions for the other presenters and as always I'm happy to answer any questions you have as well